0: As we are starting our Aliyah day, again, Bokar Shalom, welcome. This is the last Aliyah for the Kol Hamod, uh, Pesach series because tomorrow is a Yom Tov and we will be together in a celebration of that day. <clears throat> and then the following day obviously is Shabbat. So we will not have uh, the Aliyah tomorrow. Well I guess we will but it'll, it'll be it'll be from the uh from the uh platform not from my desk beautiful Rukashim. so i hope you've enjoyed it so far i hope you've had a wonderful week uh i've been putting some things um on the uh ask the rabbi page for those of you who are uh bona fide, so to speak, members of uh, the Lapid community, uh, the Sar Shalom community, which are more or less one and the same. And if I'm actually your rabbi, then you are on the Ask the Rabbi page. If um, Anyway, I have to put some information there. But I just want to say that um, tonight is a uh, an Erev. It is an Erev Yom Tov. Um, the Arab Yom Tov for the seventh day of Pesach. So we do have Kiddush tonight. We have candle lighting. We do have Kiddush. The Kiddush is uh, somewhat simple. It's just a just a short bracha. It's a said over wine. There's not a. It's not a uh, a Kiddish. Kiddush. Um, we will have the regular Arab Shabbat uh, seder on Friday night. Uh, again over matzah, because um, you cannot go out, and even though the festival of matzah ends Friday night, you can't, there's no time, because it's a back-to-back yomtov. there's no time to run out and buy, buy bread, right? So you're going to have matzah again on Shabbat, and you'll have the regular Arab service. Now, we're supposed to light candles again, or you can light candles, or should light candles, on Friday night again. However, it has to be from an existing flame. So tonight when you light candles, you either have to light a 24-hour candle and please do that in a safe environment so they can burn all day long without being uh, uh, you know unsafe about it. And then you can use uh, you can light rather your Arab Shabbat candles from that existing flame or you can use battery candles or not have any candles at all. So uh, because of the back-to-back Yom All right, what am I leaving out here? I feel like I'm leaving something out. I uh, don't think I am. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just me. But anyway, that is it. We will have the Kiddush. Oh, I did leave something out. Uh, the Mill of the Messiah. The Mill of Messiah occurs in the late afternoon on the seventh day after Minka. In this case, it's about 6.30 in the evening for us. So that means that you're going to uh, come home from Shul where you would have had a glorious experience as if you were at the Red Sea dancing in front of Hashem Himself. Go back home, have a little rest, and then you'll have uh, 50 to 100 of your closest friends over for the Mill of Messiah, which will occur after Minka at 6.30. You'll have the Mill of Messiah, and you'll roll right from the Mill of Messiah into Erev Shabbat Seder. Makes sense? Wonderful. So that is... Um, that is our magnificent plan for uh the uh, next few days brookshaven it's going to be wonderful and then obviously we'll be back together on shabbat where we will have a, another uh, miraculous super anointed time together and then uh we are off to the races again don't forget by and all this going on don't forget that tonight after sundown You should say the uh, Count the Omer. And then again, on Friday night after sunset, after sundown, you should Count the Omer again. Don't forget to Count the Omer. You know what? You should put a note on the refrigerator. Just say Count the Omer. Put a note by your nightstand. Count the Omer. So you don't forget, right? Of course, right. All right. So we are going to be looking at uh, the reading for today. For today's uh, Kol Homoed, which comes from the book of Numbers, <coughs> the book of Numbers, excuse me one second, the book of Numbers chapter 1 and verse 14, there we are, no I'm sorry, <laughs> let me say that again, the book of Numbers chapter 9 verses 1 through 14, let me re- repeat that, the book of Numbers chapter 9 verses 1 through 14 all right it says here the pesach in the wilderness incidentally i just want to mention that the yesterday's reading and the reading the day before at at the conclusion of both of those readings it gave us the admonition to not cook uh, a kid in its mother's milk so I just want to point that out. <clears throat> of course, that means not to bake, boil, cook, or whatever uh, red meat or, or you know, meat in, uh, in dairy. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting that twice in our reading for this week, we have um, that being found in the uh, in the reading times. But uh, I digress. <clears throat> so we read uh, chapter 9, verse 1. If you are in the article of Humash... We are on page 779 or 769 for our, uh, for our Sephardic Jews out there. All right. I spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the second year from their exodus from the land of Mitzrayim, in the, the first month, saying, The children of Israel shall make the Pesach offering in its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month in the afternoon, you shall make it in its appointed time. According to all its decrees and laws shall you make it. Moshe spoke to the children of Israel to make the Pesach offering. They made the Pesach offering in the first month on the fourteenth day, the fourteenth of the month in the afternoon in the wilderness of Sinai, according to everything that Hashem had commanded Moshe, so the children of Israel did. There were men who had been contaminated by a human corpse, and could not make the Pesach offering on that day. So they approached Moses on that day. Those men said to him, We are contaminated through a human corpse. Why should we be diminished by not offering Adonai's offering in its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moshe said to them, Stand by and I will hear what Adonai will command you. Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, if any man will have been contaminated through a human corpse or on a distant road, whether you or your generations, he shall make the Pesach offering for Adonai in the second month, on the 14th day, in the afternoon shall they make it, with matzahs and bitter herbs shall they eat it, they shall not leave over from it until morning, nor shall they break a bone of it, (coughs) like all the decrees of the Pesach offering shall they make it. But a man who is pure and was not on the road and had not refrained from making the Pesach offering, or excuse me, and had refrained from making the Pesach offering, that soul shall be cut off from his people. For he had not offered Hashem's offering in its appointed time. That man will bear his sin. When a convert shall dwell with you and he shall make a Pesach offering to deny According to the degree to the degree of the Pesach offering and its laws, so shall he do. One decree shall be for you, and one for the proselyte and the native of the land. So we conclude interestingly with uh, a reading here about how the convert and the Jewish and the Jew, uh, which a convert is a Jew. Um, in all respects, or to have one law. Now the second, the second uh, Pesach Pesach Shani occurs on the fifteenth of Iyar, y- and it is a one-day event because remember Pesach is a one-day event. Uh, so if you've missed the Pesach because of uh, some kind of uh, legitimate reason, you have a makeover day, you have a snow day, like in school, right? You have a snow day, and it happens to be the 15th of your So it says um, in the footnotes, just to read the follow-up to chapter 9, verses 1-5 through 5, here in the uh, art scroll, It says the year after the Exodus, God commanded Israel to bring the Pesach offering at its appointed time on the 14th of Nisan, the first month of the year. Since the book of Numbers begins with the events of the second month, this chapter is clearly out of chronological order. And indeed, the sages use it as proof that the order of the Torah is not necessarily chronological, as found in Talmud Pesachim 6b. In such cases, however, one must seek to understand why the Torah preferred to list an event after or before it actually occurred, since the sages do not mean to say that the order of the Torah is purely random. So there's a reason, even though it's not a chronological order, there's a reason why it is the way it is. It says, Rashi, citing the sages, notes that this was the only Pesach offering that Israel brought throughout the entire 40 years in the wilderness. So they did one. They had a Pesach offering, of course, in Egypt. And they had one in the wilderness, that was it. Like the two Mashiachs. So it says, And this is indicative of the nation's disgrace in not being worthy of entering Eretz Israel immediately, where they would have been able to observe this commandment annually. In order not to accentuate this failure of the people, God chose not to begin the book with it. So um, it says, Had the people not been specifically commanded to bring the Pesach offering that year, They would not have been able to do so because the commandment was not to go into effect until they arrived in the land. So in other words, um, they were supposed to go, we, let's say we, because we were released from Egypt, right? We were supposed to go from Mitzrayim directly to um, the uh, Holy Land. But we did not, why? Because of our sin. As a result, we, were, we never celebrated the Pesach except for this one time in the wilderness. Now, there's a couple things about this it was interesting because we have like two Mashiachs. Um, that's an allusion there I just mentioned. But there's also something else because we have a Pesach in the wilderness, only one. And Yeshua said that when you're in exile, I will be with you where? Even to the ends of the earth, like in the desert. The sages have also said that that whenever we are in exile, the Shekinah is with us. So having the Pesach lamb in the wilderness is almost an allusion to having the Mashiach with us in exile or the Shekinah with us in exile, which is the same thing. And so uh, we have that allusion. So this is it. Um, We were supposed to go immediately into the land and and have the Pesach, but we didn't. So therefore, we did not have the Pesach in the wilderness except for this one time. It says, alternatively, parents of uncircumcised children are forbidden to offer the Pesach and for medical reasons, it was dangerous to circumcise babies in the wilderness. Hmm. Nevertheless, it was considered shameful that they could not bring the offering all those 40 years because it was their sin of heeding the spies... That prevented them from entering the land during the second year of the exodus, by the way, i want to share um i'll have to i'll have to uh well and I'll just tell you i was I was speaking yesterday about the movie um the Ten Commandments with charlton Heston, and I said. There was a scene in that movie, very early in the movie, where Moses, he's still a prince of Egypt, comes in, kneels down before Pharaoh because he's just returned from conquering Ethiopia. And Pharaoh said something in the movie. As many times as I said yesterday, as I've seen the movie, I I did not catch this before. But Pharaoh says something to the effect, and I don't exact remember the exact quote, but he says that I've heard, I heard about how you uh, overcame in some type of... Uh, creative way, the serpent sent against you in the wilderness. okay? And I remembered a Midrash that I had read when I heard that and I said, oh my goodness, that's from the Midrash. And it's talking about when he made war, he was leading uh, Egyptian armies, made war against an Ethiopian nation and they had somehow uh, set a trap for him, and it involved scorpions in the in the desert, de- very deadly fiery. It's is actually the fiery serpents <clears throat> that bit us when we uh, were sinful in the wilderness, and uh, Moshe had to make the the copper serpent and put it on a stake and so on. And uh, and I remember that, the, that there was commentary about this that he had Moses had somehow gotten together some birds. Some people believe there might have been like pterodactyls that somehow um, overcame these serpents, like ate them up or carried them off and so on. It's, I know it sounds crazy, but I did read this. So one of our fateful Avengers, one of my uh, senior Talmuds, Amet, also known as Shomer Man, uh so faithful to do this whenever I, I can't remember... Uh, a source. Of course, he has it all documented because that's just what he does. Sends me a text message this morning and says uh, that he he found the source that I was talking about. It actually comes from Legends of the Jews. And he, he had the specific source for me, but um, I'm not able to look at it at the moment because I'm online. But uh, Anyway, just know that it exists in the Legends of the Jews. And so it's very, very fascinating. I just want to share that with you because I know some of you thought that I needed to get more sleep yesterday when I said that, but I wasn't. I was being sincere. The seventh day of Pesach. What is the seventh day of Pesach is all about? The seventh day of Pesach celebrates the uh, parting of the Red Sea. It is the final day um, of, uh, of, of the, the, the holiday week. We know that Shavuot really completes the holiday, but this is the final day of the holiday week. It is really the the parting of the Red Sea, the seventh day of Pesach, is really when we truly become free. Because what's what's what did, what do the say or not the sages, but what do the apostles write about? That is the the final enemy yet to be slain. The final enemy yet to be slain is death. What keeps us hostage? Which prevents us from from really being able to be who Hashem created us, is death. One of these days, and maybe sooner or time, Mashiach will return and death will be swallowed up. Notice the phrase, swallowed up. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Well, when we left Egypt, we knew that we were free. There's lots to overcome because when you've been slaves for 400 years. Now, we were not slaves in Egypt for 400 years, there, the uh, sages talk about this, that the 400-year time frame was actually calculated from the from the birth of Isaac. So we had been slaves, so to speak, in exile, not in our own land. We didn't have our own land and so on for 400 years. But nevertheless, we were in Egypt for, I believe, 210 years of that time frame as slaves. That's a long time. It's many generations. That is, a we develop a slave mentality. And so what happened at the Red Sea was ultimately that Pharaoh's armies who were coming after us to do what? To chat with us? To negotiate with us? To talk us, uh, sweet talk us and coming back to Israel, uh, Egypt? No. They were coming to kill us. And we watched them being drowned in the sea. In other words, death was swallowed up in victory. Now that's not what we celebrate on the seventh day of Pesach. Let's understand. We never celebrate the demise of the wicked. Why? Because God wants them to be saved. What we do celebrate is the final redemption. We celebrate the crossing of the Red Sea. We celebrate God's faithfulness to deliver us from the hands of death, from the hands of slavery, from the hands of oppression. We celebrate that. We don't celebrate, per se, the armies of Egypt drowning in the Red Sea. So, the seventh day of Pesach is about the final redemption. It's about, um, it's about death being swallowed up. It's about us also dying to self. Because remember, to go through the Red Sea, and Kepha talked about this in his letter, and, it, and it's not just Kepha, but it's also a Jewish idea. When we went through the Red Sea, the Sef. This was like going through a mikvah. So the entire nation is mikvah together. What happens when you go to the mikvah? When you go to the mikvah, death is swallowed up. When you go to the mikvah, impurity, representative of death, is washed away and purity comes. You come up out of the water, a, a, a new creation, a holy person, pure person. So for us to cross to the Red Sea means not only does... Death gets swallowed up in victory, but also we die to self. It was a way intended for us to be able to be completely regenerated, completely renewed. There were many miracles that happened on the seventh day. Far more miracles actually that happened on the first day of Pesach, or I should say during the Pesach itself. The sages write and say that when the uh, plagues were happening in egypt which of course there were 10 plagues the egyptian uh, necromancers and sorcerers they said to pharaoh this is the finger of god and so the sages just being logical said the scripture says that at the red sea god saved us by his mighty hand so if at in egypt if the finger of god caused 10 plagues The hand of God has five fingers, which means there were 50 miracles. So when we were in Egypt, God saved us by 10 miracles. But in the final redemption, he saved us by 50 miracles, which means that the final redemption will be greater than the original redemption. So we have many miracles to celebrate. As as the scripture says, the seventh day shall be declared a holy day for you. No work is to be done on that day. It's a Yom Tov. It's a Shabbat. The first day of Pesach and the seventh day of Pesach. Isn't it interesting? Um, I've been around, uh, obviously, believers for a long time. Both those uh, Christians who are still in the church and Christians who now have Saturday church um, or whatever. But in both cases... I, I've I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk about the seventh day of Pesach. Honestly, I, I'm not even sure that it's on anybody's radar. Maybe it may be, and I just I, I'm oblivious to it, which is would be odd. But but I I just uh, I've never heard anybody talk about it. It's interesting to me because this is the feast. As to quote the um, um, the. Rebbe's of of Chabad, for instance, to say this is the festival of Mashiach. This is the festival of Mashiach itself because it's the festival of final redemption. I just think it's interesting. So um, in the book, uh, Our Heritage, there's a statement here about the essence of the celebration of this day. It says, the essence of the celebration of this day is the song of Moses and Israel that they were divinely inspired to sing on that day a song that merited being included in the Torah, a song to which God and his heavenly consorts listened. So this is a day that um the the focus of which is our singing to God for saving us for for removing death from us and so on. It's all about praising God again for the final redemption. Because understand that once the armies of Egypt were destroyed, that was it. We were truly free. Just like once death is finally destroyed, maybe soon in our time, we will truly and eternally be free. Now, I've mentioned before, um, about the reality of the former and the latter rain uh, being brought about in the first month. I, I actually talked about this on the in the drosh last sh, uh, Shabbat, um, the first day of uh, Pesach. How the book of Joel brings down that the teacher of righteousness is going to give us the former and the latter rain. And I mentioned or explained rather how the former and latter rain are talking about the Pesach lamb and the atonement goat. Um. Somebody asked a question online. It wasn't one of our people, but somebody asked a question online. They said, uh, "Show me in the scriptures where the Messiah is is our sin offering." Um, I didn't reply to it because I don't know this person, and I tend, I don't, I don't, I really don't have time to get into. Quite frankly, we we have so many members worldwide in the Lapid movement. I don't have time to get into dialogue like that with people who aren't members. But that's beside the point. I, I just have to. But 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 the. The, the question was intriguing. And so I thought I would just give you the answer here because you're that special. Um, where Tell me in the scriptures where it talks about Messiah, period. Hello? Yeah, um, it doesn't. There are allusions to Messiah. Uh, what are you talking about, Rabbi? There's, there's Isaiah 53, clearly talking. No, it, it, you only know that because of the oral Torah. See, here's the problem. <clears throat> this is the big debate between the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the Mashiach because there's nothing in the Torah that explicitly mentions him. The everything about him in the in the written Torah is, is there because it's derived from the oral Torah, number one. Okay. Um this, this is why the only the Pharisees believed in the coming Mashiach. And the Sadducees didn't. The reason is is because the Sadducees were sola scriptura only. They were word of God only. Written word only. No oral orator. No Talmud. No Zohar. No Midrash. They said it's all hogwash. And they were written Torah only. And as a result, they did not believe in the Messiah. They did not believe in heaven and hell. They did not believe in reward and punishment. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in demons. The Pharisees, on the other hand, said there absolutely is an oral Torah. In fact, the Torah itself was oral until we wrote, wrote it down. But we digress. And as a result, they believed in the Mashiach, they believed in reward and punishment. they believed in heaven and hell, they believed in uh, demons, they believed in angels, etc. All right, so there's that. So you say, show me a scripture. I can't. Why? It's not really there. Isaiah 53, yeah, but you, you there's a sod so level to Isaiah 53, you understand, but there's also Peshat level. Okay, you have to understand this to be true. This is the reality. So, where do you find about the Mashiach dying for our sins and being, eh, in effect, a sin offering? Okay, so let's clear up a couple things right quick. First of all, is he a literal sin offering? Well, no. Well, yes. Well, no. He's the akeda. Okay? The sin offering mimics the akeda, not the other way around. All offerings point to the son who was offered, they're all representative of that. All right, and this is this is a long teaching, I have like three minutes. This teaching takes like three hours, okay? So just please indulge me if you're just tuning in, you're scratching your head, you have no idea. Just understand that I've taught about this extensively for years. I'm just this is a Reader's Digest version, all right? So, so he's the sin offering now, the Akeda. All Jews agree, whether you're talking about the Akedah being Isaac or the Akedah being Yeshua, that we understand that the ultimate Akedah, of course, are Yeshua, in Judaism, the Akedah is referring to Isaac. Either way, it doesn't matter. The reality is, is that because Isaac laid his life down on the altar, and we would say Yeshua did as well, okay, because of that fact, God forgives us. Moreover, the Oral Torah teaches that when Messiah comes, as Messiah being Yosef, he's going to die for what? Why is he dying? What's the reason he's dying for? It says he's dying for the sins of Israel. Moreover, in the Midrash, uh, it says when Moses is asking, hey, listen, they're going to have two, two temples, and God says, yes, that way I can destroy the temples and not have to destroy... Uh, Israel, when they sin, the temples act as collateral for Israel. And Moses says, that sounds great, but I, I see that both temples are going to be destroyed. What's going to happen when both temples are destroyed and there's no more collateral left for Israel? And God says, no problem. I will choose one man, one echad, one, one man to be collateral for the whole nation. So when somebody asks, well, how do you tell me how he's going to be a sin offering? And the answer is Mashiach ben Yosef. Because if somebody dies for your sins, that is a sin offering. All right. So, with that said, there is an illusion here in the uh, book of our heritage. Hopefully that was clear. I did an entire, like I said, we have a YouTube channel. And there are, I don't know, a, a maybe a thousand hours by now of material on the YouTube channel. And so many of you have, some of you have watched every single video we've posted, which is remarkable. Others haven't had that opportunity yet, but you can go back and listen to these um, teachings and so on. And, and uh, you know, it's worth your time and I'm running out of time. So let me, let me read this right quick. This will be the uh, final, final thing. I had a whole lot more to say about the Omer, but we just never did get around to it. But there's always next year. So it says, uh, unless Mashiach comes, which I hope he does. It says, on the morning of the 15th of Nisan, all of God's hosts departed from Ramses, and on that very same day, they arrived in Sukkot. Now, the reason I read this to you, and I'm going to conclude with this. This was... This is an allusion to, the, to the, the latter rain, the former rain, given to us in the first month. Because isn't it interesting that on the 15th of Nisan, we left Egypt, and on the very next day, we arrived in Sukkah? This is what the final redemption is going to look like. We're going to be led out of spiritual Egypt, and Mashiach is going to take us right to the Sukkah, where we have the wedding supper of the Lamb. May that day come soon, my friends. May it come soon. May our eyes behold the coming of Messiah Yeshua. There's more to teach and always more to learn. As we always say, what do we know? What do we know? Everything that God has shown us is amazingly huge. It's so deep. It's so real. And yet, c- compared to what there else there is to know, it's like we've have a snow cone compared to an iceberg. But we shall continue on. Tomorrow's a Yom Tov. Tonight is the era of Yom Tov. May you have a beautiful, beautiful Yom Tov tonight. May we have a beautiful service tomorrow. May we have a beautiful Shabbat. We'll be back with the Aliyah day beginning next week. We'll be, we'll be uh, back on track with our Parashot. And the shah for next week is the Karimot, which is wonderful talking about the uh, Yom Kippur. So we look forward to spending that time together. Between now and then, we have a lot of uh, festivities. So, Hag Sameach Pesach and uh, Shabbat Shalom. And we will see everybody tomorrow with proverbial bells on. Until then, have a blessed, wonderful, amazing day. If you're new to the program, thank you for joining us. I hope it's been a blessing. Stick around. We can't learn everything in 30 minutes. Shalom, shalom.